Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Chorus Aviation Inc. Third Quarter 2021 Financial Results Analyst Conference Call. At this time, all participant lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. As a reminder, this call is being recorded today, November the 11th, 2021, and I would now like to turn the conference over to Natalie McGann, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Hello, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today for our third quarter 2021 conference call and audio webcast. With me today from course are Joe Randall, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Gary Osborne, Chief Financial Officer. We'll start the call by giving a brief overview of the results and then go on to questions from the analyst community. Because some of the discussion in this call may be forward-looking, I direct your attention to the caution regarding forward-looking information and statements, which are subject to various risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that are included or referenced in our management discussions and analysis of the results and operations of Chorus Aviation, Inc. for the period ended September 30, 2021, the Outlook section and other sections of our MDNA where such statements appear. In addition, some of the following discussion involves certain non-GAAP financial measures, including references to EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBT, and adjusted net income. Please refer to our MDNA for a discussion related to the use of such non-GAAP measures. I'll now turn the call over to Joe. Thank you, Natalie, and good morning, everyone. Many airlines, including Air Canada, are reporting their strongest results since the onset of the pandemic and are optimistic these positive trends will continue. Our experience is no different. Change is in the air and our industry has arrived at an important inflection point. Throughout this crisis, we've made significant strides to secure liquidity, strengthen our balance sheet and our customer relationships and to prepare as best we can to seize opportunities. The regional aviation sector is leading the recovery of domestic air transportation in many parts of the world. Improving market conditions are evidenced this quarter by the significant increases in fleet utilization by both our Air Canada Express operation and our portfolio of leased aircraft. Starting with the CPA operations, all aircraft have been removed from storage and returned to service. In the third quarter, we carried more than double the number of passengers we carried in the first half of this year. For the balance of this year, we are projected to operate approximately 75 to 80% of our fourth quarter 2019 flying activity. As such, we're very pleased to have welcomed back substantially all our frontline and administrative staff and are recruiting additional team members. JAZZ is compliant with federal COVID-19 vaccination regulations 
Approximately 98% of our employees are fully vaccinated. The employees who are not vaccinated or do not have a medical or permitted exemption are on, on paid leave. Additional indicators that regional and domestic air travel is recovering are found in our leasing business, where leasing revenue collections increased to 77%, 10 percentage points over the previous quarter. Our portfolio of leased aircraft, excluding those off lease, operated at approximately 75% of their pre-pandemic average flying hours in the third quarter of this year compared to 2019. A remarkable improvement given the industry has, was essentially grounded at the height of the pandemic. Since our last report out, we successfully executed agreements to lease eight off-lease aircraft with two new customers. We're pleased to welcome Emerald Airlines of Dublin, Ireland, and Connect Airlines of Boston, Massachusetts to our portfolio. We now have only two remaining aircraft to be remarketed, and we're in discussions with potential operators. Going forward, we believe airlines will increasingly look to operate operating leases to finance their fleets, whether to conserve capital or to support their efficiency and sustainability initiatives. Growth in the middle-class markets was driving rapid pre-pandemic growth in emerging markets, and we expect this growth trajectory to resume. Demand for regional aircraft in the 100 to 150 seat range, primarily the new generation Airbus A220s and the Embraer E2s, now commonly referred to as crossover aircraft, present exciting opportunities. Turboprops continue to be an integral part of regional networks worldwide given their ability to properly match market demand in unique markets. Where there was flying at the height of the pandemic, it was with turboprops. These aircraft offer greener credentials than jet aircraft and major airlines are considering how they replace 50-seat jets and this could be with Dash 8 400s and ATRs. Electric and hydrogen-propelled engines are being explored, and we're watching developments closely. Given the changes to our industry and the emerging opportunities, we continue to believe that we're in the right sector of the business. Our ability to manage the entire life cycle of a regional aircraft is a major strength that differentiates us from the competition. New contracts recently awarded to Voyager demonstrate the ingenuity and expertise of our team. By the end of this month, we'll be fully operational under the Pure Later Agreement, and we're hopeful to grow this book of business. Our facility in North Bay is extremely busy, and we're very pleased with the exciting work happening there. So I'm optimistic the worst is behind us. And I couldn't be more grateful to our employees for their steadfast commitment to safety, the well-being of our customers, the company, and one another. The good work we've done together throughout this crisis provides a solid foundation that will deliver value to our stakeholders. Thank you for listening, and I'll now turn the call over to Gary. <laughs> Thank you, Joe, and good morning. Here's how the third quarter of this year compares to the third quarter of 2020. We generated adjusted EBITDA of $78.1 million, which decreased by $7.8 million related to the 2021 EPA amendments and the reduction in foreign exchange rate from the prior year. 
Adjusted net income was $15.3 million in the quarter, an increase of $4.4 million, which resulted in adjusted EPS of $0.09 cents versus $0.07 cents in the third quarter of 2020. The increase was primarily due to a reduction in interest expense resulting from the repayment of amortizing term loans and lower depreciation expense. The RAL segment adjusted EBITDA was essentially unchanged from the prior quarter due to additional aircraft earning lease revenue offset by lower lease revenue attributable to restructured leases and lower earnings due to lower U.S. dollar exchange rate. The RAS segment adjusted EBITDA decreased by $7.7 million. The third quarter results were impacted by a decrease in fixed margin of $2.4 million in accordance with the CPA, an increase in stock-based compensation of $1.5 million, an increase in general administrative expenses attributable to increased operations, and a decrease in incentive revenue of $0.6 million, offset by an increase in capitalization of major maintenance overhauls on owned aircraft of $2.1 million, an increase in other revenue due to an increase in third-party MRO activity and part sales, and an increase in aircraft leasing revenue under the CPA of $0.3 million, primarily due to six incremental CRJ 900s, offset by the removal of the Dash 8 300 fleet, and lower earnings of $1.8 million due to lower U.S. dollar exchange rates. Adjusted net income was $15.3 million for the quarter, an increase of $4.4 million due to a decrease of $5.7 million due to changes in foreign exchange, a reduction in net interest costs of $2.8 million, a decrease in depreciation expense of $2.1 million, a $1.3 million decrease in adjusted income tax expense, offset by the aforementioned $7.8 million decrease in adjusted EBITDA. Net income decreased $34.5 million over the prior period due to an increase in net unrealized foreign exchange losses, primarily on long-term debt of $40.8 million, an increase in lease repossession costs of $2.8 million, primarily related to aircraft refurbishments, offset by a decrease in impairment provisions of $4.8 million in the RAL segment, and the previously noted increase in adjusted net income of $4.4 million. Now turning to liquidity. We ended the quarter with $258.1 million in liquidity, which was an increase of $80.2 million over the second quarter of 2021, primarily due to the issuance of the unsecured Series C debentures for net proceeds of $80.9 million. Of these net proceeds, $29.8 million is currently held in a restricted cash account in exchange for a conditional waiver of the 35% repayment obligation under the unsecured revolving credit facility. The net proceeds from the issuance, including the related restricted cash, will be used to prim- primarily or, par- or sorry, partially redeem or repay existing indebtedness, including the 6% debentures, which may be redeemed on or after December 31st, 2021. Liquidity, excluding the net proceeds from the Series C debentures and the related restricted cash, increased by $29.1 million over the second quarter of 2021 due to positive operating cash flows of $82.8 million, offset by scheduled debt repayments of $45.5 million and additions to property and equipment of $9 million. In October 2021, 
Forest repaid $30 million under its operating credit facility and subsequently entered into a new three-year committed operating credit facility on October 14, 2021. This new facility provides Corus with a committed limit of $75 million plus a $25 million uncommitted accordion. Other key liquidity movements during the quarter included increased cash of $46.9 million due to higher accounts payable resulting from operations and commodity taxes relating to the timing of cash payments, increased cash of $11.5 million due to the increase in security deposits and maintenance reserves, decreased cash of $45.5 million due to scheduled debt repayments, decreased cash of $42.7 million due to an increase in restricted cash, including the aforementioned $29.8 million held for the conditional EDC waiver, decreased cash of $13.8 million due to an increase in accounts receivable from Air Canada of $4.7 million and an increase in RAL's gross lease receivables of $9.1 million. Decreased cash of $9 million due to investments in property, plant, and equipment. As of September 30th, 2021, the controllable cost guardrail receivable was $12.7 million over the agreed cap of $20 million and subsequently paid in accordance with the 2021 CPA amendments. As COVID's impact varies by region and our CPA, CAC portfolio is global in nature, we anticipate that CAC's gross lease receivable at 62.3 million US at the end of the third quarter could increase up to $65 million US by the end of the fourth quarter 2021, which is up from our outlook shared last quarter due to potential delays in payments. Planned capital expenditures in 2021, including capitalized major maintenance overhauls, are estimated to be between 19 million and 29 million. This estimate includes between 7 and 9 million that will be included in the, in the controllable costs and paid by Air Canada. <clears throat> Planned aircraft related acquisitions are expected to be, be, to be between 42 and 50 million in 2021. Actual spend to September 30, 2021 was 42.7 million. While there are no further significant growth capital expenditures forecast for 2021 at this time, we continue to prudently evaluate new transactions while also remarking our two awfully CRJ900 aircraft and 1-H400 we expect to be returned at the end of January 2022. With the current recovery and passenger demand for air travel and further improvement expected in 2022, Corus plans to invest between 300 and 400 million in aircraft acquisitions in 2022, financed through existing cash resources, capital raises, secure debt financing, or accommodations thereof. We have continued with our plan to create additional flexibility in our capital structure by paying down our secured and overall adjusted net debt. By the end of the third quarter, we successfully completed another capital raise with gross proceeds of $85 million and reduced our adjusted net debt since the beginning of the year by $194.8 million. We also increased our percentage of unsecured debt to approximately 18% of total debt and brought our unencumbered asset pool to approximately $115 million U.S. We anticipate continuing with our debt reductions while evaluating growth opportunities over the course of this year. Before opening the call to questions from the analyst community, I would like to acknowledge the continued outstanding efforts of our team during 2021 in a challenging and evolving operating environment. 
That concludes my commentary. Thank you for listening. Operator, we can open the call to questions. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press the star, followed by the one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the star, followed by the two. Please stand by one moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Cameron Dirksen of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, good, good morning. Good morning, Cameron. So, uh, question on I guess the the growth plans for 2022 uh, in the MDNA. You've highlighted that uh, I guess your current expectation is that you may be spending between three to four hundred million dollars for additional aircraft acquisitions. Can you talk a little bit about what specific opportunities you're seeing there? Are, are these, you know, uh, I guess buying out of leases or are there? I guess maybe new aircraft. I mean, you mentioned A220 and, and uh, E2 as uh, attractive assets. So maybe just a little more detail around your expectations for next year on the on the uh, the portfolio growth. Sure. Um, well, what we're seeing now is more activity in the market uh, with respect to sale and leaseback opportunities, specifically as carriers. Uh, you know, the manufacturers are starting to ramp back up. Um, carriers are um, you know really firming up their commitments terms of these aircraft deliveries, uh, most especially on the crossover aircraft that I mentioned. So um, obviously that's an area that you know we've been active in previously and now look to um, you know pick up on. And uh, during this period as well, um, you know we've seen and we expect we will continue to see um, some portfolios that may become available as well. So we're starting to see more activity, uh, more opportunities. Um, you know, I think uh, the last, this last quarter is when we've really seen it sort of start to pick up, and uh, that's why we have this optimism. And uh, you know, and uh, we're seeing the requests for proposals out there now from um, from carriers. Okay, that's helpful. And, and I guess my second question is is kind of related to the uh, the leasing business, uh, I mean, in Q3, uh, I guess before tax, uh, there was a loss in the business. I mean, obviously, you haven't got your full portfolio uh, on lease, so presumably that uh, that will uh, that will change. But can you talk about the profitability of that business uh, as it kind of normalizes and, and given maybe what lease rates have done? I mean, can this business get back to the level of profitability uh, that, that certainly meets your return objectives, but also is... is consistent with maybe what you saw pre-pandemic? Yeah, so Gary, um, Pam, it's uh, Gary here. Um, when you look at the, the rail division, certainly we're going to have a lot of uh, aircraft or the currently off-lease aircraft coming back to work. <clears throat> the other thing is uh, to note is as Aeromexico and others emerge from bankruptcy, they'll get back on the positive side of the ledger as far as you know growth in uh, revenue as they went through the uh, bankruptcy uh, piece. It, it was a little more challenging. So we're going to see the pickup from the off-lease aircraft, and plus as uh, some of these uh, leases get restructured, a little bit of a pickup there. So we expect things to get a bit better on the revenue line uh, that way. The other side is the interest has been coming down on that side uh, as we've been paying down our debt, so you'll see that um, make its way through. And then the other the other thing is on the ECL, you know, we booked just short of a million, I think it was 900000 in the quarter, and uh, we continue to monitor that. But as the, the health of the uh, lessees has been turning around, 
you know, we're hoping that that ECL provision will turn around also. So from that perspective, I think the core fleet will uh, start to perform better. Then as we grow, we'll continue to add aircraft uh, into that, and uh, certainly that will start to, to get the, uh, the margins back to a much healthier level. And, uh, you know, the other side is SG&E is a bit high right now as a percentage of revenue, and that's really because of the nature of what we just went through, where we had off-lease aircraft and, and whatnot, and as we grow, that'll come down. So there'll be a, a few factors that will start to bring that back to a better margin. So, so I would say, uh, Cameron, in terms of the opportunities and getting back to normal, it's, it's uh, you know, it's sort of bifurcated between two, uh, two areas. One is, you know, there are still a number of airplanes that are off lease and the stress in terms of the older portfolios, et cetera. The good thing is that we have essentially placed all of our grounded aircraft back on lease. So, um, you know, it's, it's something that um, we don't need to have and see these aircraft coming back in the near term and be under a lot of downward pressure because the market will be absorbing some of this, some of these excess assets that are there. So that's one part of it. But the other side is the actual sale and leaseback side, which, you know, we see recovering uh, uh, very well because these are new assets. Um, they're not really competing against the assets that have been grounded. They're new technology. They're because of the green initiatives, carriers refleeting, et cetera. So that end of the business, um, you know, we see, um, you know, recovering in a, in a very good way. And as I mentioned in my comments, you know, with the balance sheets that are there, we think that the penetration of operating leases within the business will actually increase as a percentage of, um, of the new production that's coming out. So, so that's why we're optimistic in terms of that part of the business. It doesn't mean that there won't be competition out there, et cetera, but, you know, we believe we can compete in that business. And, um, you know, so that will be a focus. And any other portfolios that are out there, you know, should be priced, uh, priced according to the market conditions, et cetera, that exist for those, for those aircraft. So, um, you know, that's why we feel the worst behind us. We just have these two airplanes left to release that we're optimistic we'll have something there very soon. And, um, you know, then we'll be focused on the two areas that, that I just mentioned. Okay, no, that, that's great. Uh, I'll pass the line. Thanks very much. Your next question comes from Alana Yontef of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. I just got a question about the leasing business, um, specifically uh, just to build on Cameron's question, as we think about the recovery moving forward, um, <coughs> are, do you think we've seen the worst of the downward revisions to these rates, um, or are there still pockets of vulnerability in the leasing portfolio? I think, uh, as I mentioned in my comments, I think we've seen now an inflection point. Um, you know, I, I see as carriers get back up and as uh, passenger travel resumes and as vaccination rates increase, because, you know, the vaccination rate uh, is really key here in terms of the recovery of the business. Um, I think as we see that continue to, to rise, the business itself will rise accordingly in terms of the level of demand as people get back up in the air. And, uh, you know, I think that's evidenced by the increased utilization we're seeing in the fleet, both the ones the aircraft we lease, we monitor that closely, 
and of course our Air Canada Express operation, which is uh, has rebounded quite significantly. Great, and just one one quick question um, about the regional aviation services. So just wondering what about the necessary resources that are being bought being uh, being brought back to support the recovery, and are you seeing any bottlenecks that uh, that you're you're seeing in that recovery there? No, we're we're very busy training um, people, and you know we've gone through our list, and in fact we're hiring flight attendants now, et cetera. Uh, but um, you know we don't see anything in the near term at all that uh, is going to create uh, any pressure for us. Uh, you know we look at the industry going forward, just like coming into the pandemic. You know everyone was looking at the um, the pipeline of, of staff, et cetera. But you know, relative to others in the industry, I think we're really in a good position. We have this flow-through agreement with Air Canada. As Air Canada comes back, um, you know, they will be hiring a lot of our pilots. But that helps us hire pilots ourselves because they see a career path through Jazz um, as being a long-term career path in the industry. And um, you know, that's why we're such a I think a very good part of the supply chain, very strong with the relationship with Air Canada. But uh, you know, it's something that we have to keep our eye on going forward for sure, is the availability of, uh, of human resources. Great, thank you so much. Welcome. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad, because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. That's chime.com slash goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Your next question comes from Kevin Chang of CIBC. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, th th thanks for taking my question. I, I, I did get on the, the call a little bit late, so maybe you did, did address this. Just, just wondering, when you look at uh, uh, the leasing business or, or course aviation capital specifically, just, just wondering, you know, I, I guess the, the potential changes to, to, to the taxes in that jurisdiction, given, given the broader global tax, uh, mandates being put out by by major economies. Does, does that does that materially change the returns you would see within CAC, or 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 is it or does it just end up kind of being a rounding error? Um, yes, Gary here. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Um, 
No, we don't see it as uh, really changing the equation. It, you know, the, the minimum tax going from really 12 and a half in Ireland to 15 uh, wouldn't have a material impact uh, because there's a couple things at play. In Ireland, the way the tax regime works is really um, your, your income is deferred really to the end, and uh, as a result, it's at the back end. So when you look at returns, it'll affect that, and it's pretty nominal, uh, the difference as far as that goes. And uh, so we don't see it as being uh, a material to the business and not changing the value equation. Okay, that's, uh, that, that's helpful. Um, and I guess just just on I guess the the, the refocus on growth here within within leasing, um, you know, it, it sounds like you feel you turned the corner on on lease rates. You, you're willing to put some capital to work here on the sales lease back, but presumably, you know, these lease rates probably aren't where they were, uh, at least pre-pandemic, even if they've inflected positively, you know, to, to get the returns you you're, you're typically targeting, does that suggest that you're able to get these assets? At a, at a lower price to, to kind of drive that mid-teens ROE uh, or, or to at least, you know, push through your hurdle ROIC uh, percentage? So, uh, here again, um, on the lease rate factors, obviously, they'll be commensurate with the metal value and also the interest rates and, and whatnot. Certainly, they're, they're a little bit lower, I would say, on some of the larger equipment, but the financing is much more competitive and, and much more... Um, you know, dynamic that way. So from that perspective, the return should be, you know, in, in good stead for, for those that metal. Um, so we're not really uh, that concerned that we won't be uh, able to at least uh, be competitive in that space. Okay. Uh, and maybe just last one for me, uh, you know, 75% of your leased aircraft are, are or your, your, your leased aircraft uh, are running about 75% utilization from pre-pandemic levels. Is there a way to think of how that's bifurcated, you know, is, is it a pretty wide range? Like some people are at 100 and some people are at 50 and you kind of average out at 75 or is it pr pretty tight around that 75% range? Uh, it, there's some variation uh, amongst the carriers and generally it's pretty much correlated to what's going on in the country with respect to COVID uh, in that geography. So uh, uh, so it's, it's variable, um, you know, so, uh, we don't speak to the individual operators, but there there is variation. Okay. Um, maybe I can just ask a last one. I know this this is probably difficult to just answer on the fly, but 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 I look at you like your 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 let's say 2019 uh, uh, you know cash flow from operation. Then I'll take a working capital because I know that can swing around for you guys. Actually, if I look at 18 and 19, you're kind of hovering around 270 million dollars on an annualized basis. Just wondering, you know, based on what you're seeing today and the recovery uh, in the lease portfolio, where lease rates are, where, you know, you've renegotiated the Air Canada contract, you know, I, I guess what, I, I guess I, I, how much can you get back to that $270 million level or how much of that is just, let's say, just totally impaired because, you know, you have to renegotiate some of these agreements and, 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 and maybe if you kind of get to 90% of that, that's kind of as good as you can get with the existing portfolio. And then to grow above that, you're you're obviously investing in your in your asset base. Is, is there a way to kind of frame that just based on all the all the stuff you've done over the past couple of years? Yeah, sorry, Gary here. Um, if you look at uh, you know prior to COVID or you know uh, pre uh, the 2019-2020 levels, there, there's some changes obviously that have occurred on the RAL side uh, with leasing, but also with the CPA uh, 
piece that uh, you know we've had to you know the step, a bit of a step down in the fixed fee and whatnot and, and remove the dash three. So certainly there's some changes there. But the one thing is you know the steadiness of the cash flow is still there. Um, and as you look forward, it should grow a little bit. Uh, hopefully as uh, Raul and, and, and that starts to, to kick in and Voyager you know with the, the growth they're seeing. But you know the levels you're seeing with a bit you know at today's level. Uh, are you know certainly good basis to move forward without giving a big prediction as to where it's moving, um, but we'll start certainly it's a great base to move ahead with, and you and you probably see some growth from it as we get aircraft released and, and Voyager does a bit more. Okay, that, that, that that's fair and that, that's helpful. You know, good, good progress in the third quarter on on, on the recovery there. So I'll I'll leave it there. Thank you for taking my questions. Yeah. Your next question comes from Walter Spracklin of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Ryle Stroud on for Walter. Uh, good morning and thanks for taking my questions today. Good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to start off and, and was wondering if you could provide us with some more context on what you're seeing on the domestic recovery front. You know, it's moving from 55% recovered in Q3 to 75 to 80% recovered in Q4. It's a fairly significant jump. And maybe looking ahead, how far away do you think you are from fully returning to normal from a from a capacity perspective? Well, um, you know, considering in terms of our Air Canada Express flying and the level of flying, that is actually determined by Air Canada. Um, you know, we we do not determine that. Um, so, um, you know, I, I in terms of predicting it, you know, the indication that we have now with respect to the fourth quarter is. The, the plan that we have from Air Canada, um, you know, but I think with this trend continuing, you can certainly see with this type of trajectory that getting back close to full operations in the, you know, probably latest second quarter uh, could be very achievable. But again, it depends. Um, it depends on, on the demand on the Air Canada front. It depends on the you know, the, uh, the border, um, and I know that there's a lot of pressure these days to uh, make crossing the border easily, um, more easy uh, or easier. And, um, you know, and I think uh, our operation really benefits from things like that because we do a lot of transporter flying for Air Canada as well as they open the, uh, the transporter markets and, and travel increases. And, um, you know, and we are seeing on the flights that we operate, very good demand in the domestic market. So, uh, um, you know, I, I think um, I think it's it's looking pretty good. And of course, we're on the right side of the business because the demand for the smaller aircraft really is the first to come back. And you know, that's why our 76-seat uh, aircraft or jet aircraft are very busy these days, flying throughout North America for Air Canada. And that same sort of uh, pattern is existing in other parts of the world. Um, you know, we've seen Europe. Now, uh, you know, there have been a few fits and starts there but, and that, but, um, um, you know, headed in the same direction. Got it. Got it. That, that, that makes sense. And that's a very helpful color. And then, and then just, just lastly here, um, you know, you mentioned that the Pure Later Agreement kicks in later this month. I was wondering if you could provide us with any color on, on how material this is expected to be to the top line and if there's any additional CapEx spend associated with this partnership. Um, 
sorry, a theory here on the I can answer the capex. The capex is minimal. It's, it's in our forecast, and, and it's certainly uh, not significant. Um, and then on the revenue line, it, it's not overly material to course at this point in time, but it continues to grow, and as the relationship grows, it'll continue to make its way through. We've also had the uh, purulator arrangement in place now for two or three quarters, um, you know, because uh, it started out as a trial. So a lot of that, you know, revenue bump up you've seen at least off the existing fleet, but we are hoping to grow that relationship. Yeah. What, what I would say is that you know we've converted um, these Dash 8100s at Voyager into freighters, um, and um, you know we had uh, temporarily aircraft operating in there for purulator that were not the fully converted freighters that we now have in there uh, operating for purulator. Um, but uh, we do have a, a number of these airplanes available to convert. And, uh, you know, the conversion cost is quite reasonable. Um, you know, from what we understand, the aircraft are performing very well. They have a very good payload on, um, on uh, you know, especially transporter services, et cetera. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is that the demand, because of the online purchasing that's going on in smaller communities and remote areas and that sort of thing, you know, I think that's, uh, that puts us in a pretty good place. Um, and I think Purolator has a very strong position in that market as well. So we'll continue to work with them to identify new opportunities and ways of growing, um, growing that business. So we're optimistic that, uh, you know, positive things will continue to occur there. It's uh, it's an interesting business to us, and we're, we're very focused on the relationship and growing it. Okay, that's great. Good to hear, and thanks for the color, and thanks for taking my questions. I'll, uh, I'll pass the line now. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad now. Your next question comes from Konark Gupta of Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thank you, Alberta, and uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, morning. morning, guys. <clears throat> so may maybe uh, just digging into uh, CapEx here a little bit for next year. Um, so I, I think uh, you guys mentioned uh, 300 to $400 million in aircraft acquisitions next year, perhaps. And that seems like an opportunity base, more like uh, more than uh, a sort of a committed CapEx. At this point, so uh, let's say you do 300 to 400 next year on aircraft. Like if we if we look historically, I'm like that could be possibly six to eight larger aircraft, like eight to twenties, uh, or if you go smaller, it's probably 10 to 15 regional aircraft. So can you give us some sense? Like, is there going to be a mix of both maybe eight to 20 kind of aircraft and smaller aircraft? So we are anywhere between you know, call it 8 to 10 or 12 aircraft possibly, is that the size that you're anticipating next year? Um, it's scary here. Um, it could be a mix, it'll be a mix of those types of aircraft. We're not uh, giving specific guidance on the aircraft, but giving a range for the CapEx. And to your point, it, it will depend on uh, the deals that we uh, we focus in on and we're able to complete. But, uh, you know, your ranges weren't, I don't believe, off. Yeah, the opportunities, you know, I mentioned the crossover airplanes with respect to the E-2s and the A220s, and of course now ATR is starting to pick up um, in terms of their manufacturing rate as well. So, you know, ATR-72s uh, potentially could be in the mix. Um, you know, the, um, 
the manufacturing of the Dash 8400s has been suspended, um, so there's not a lot of activity in that regard. But in terms of new metal, uh, those are the three aircraft types. But of course, they vary quite a bit in terms of their acquisition cost. And it's hard to say exactly what the mix will be, uh, but, um, but you're right, uh, you know, it's the number of airplanes is clearly, you know, it's, it has to be reflected uh, uh, in the mix and of the 400, three to 400. Okay, that, that makes sense, and that, that kind of probably puts you back uh, somewhere toward uh, your pre-pandemic. Uh, kind of goal for for 20 aircraft or so annually. So so it it, it seems like it's heading there. Uh, now with respect to non uh, aircraft capex, uh, and I, I know it's still a bit premature, but uh, like we, we have seen perhaps not a significant variation this year uh, versus 2020 uh, and maybe before. But um, is it fair to expect the non aircraft capex is more or less similar in 2022, or is there any 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 incremental Ramp up your expenses. Scary here. Um, can't really give you a good flavor for that at this point in time. Um, as the operation ramps up, though, one would expect that that would ramp up a bit. But the you know, if you look at uh, particularly for jazz, things have changed with the Embraer's coming in play too. So uh, you know, I, I think it's a little early to give you give you guidance uh, on for next year. Okay, not not a problem. Larry, thank you so much for that. And then lastly, for me, um, with respect to the the remarketed aircraft, uh, so I think you have done about uh, eleven of those so far, and and the two are coming out shortly as well. So, and I think uh, if I'm reading it correctly, you mentioned somewhere in the disclosures uh, uh, the the six I think ATRs are spreading over the next twelve months or so, essentially. Can you? Uh, like, can it provide any sense as to, you know, should we expect um, the the ramp of uh, remarketed aircraft uh, placed into the leasing revenue uh, to be linear uh, over the next three to four quarters, uh, starting from Q4, or should we expect like a big bump uh, in one or two quarters? Um, I think it's, it's scary here. I think it would be more linear, but it could change. I, I know the deliveries and the timeframes that have moved around a little bit uh, with uh, with Emerald and other carriers, so they could it could be a, it could be a spike or it could be more linear. But for modeling, I would probably use more of a linear approach. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Yeah. There are no further questions from the phone line, so at this yes. point, I will turn the conference back over to Natalie McGann for closing remarks. Thank you, Michelle, and thank you, everyone, for being present on this call, and we look forward to speaking with you all soon. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. 
Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com slash build. That's chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.